Welcome to Emirates Podcast Number Seven. This is your host Suman Silwal. As far as you know, motivation. Uh, everybody has their own motivation. What, why they're out there? Yeah, I, I just, I just love running. Visit Emirates.com for discount codes, race photos, and more. Like us on the Facebook and follow us on the Instagram and Twitter. I would like to welcome Coach Al. How are you? I'm doing good. You doing okay today? I'm doing fine. Got to run in this morning and feeling good. What do you run usually in the on the daily basis? Uh, I get up at four thirty and I run about three three and a half miles, uh, uh, two or three days a week, and not counting the weekends. And I'm still working. I'm sixty nine years old, but I'm still working. Work as a physical therapist and still work full time. So I got to get to work by seven thirty. That's when I see my first patient. How was your running journey like? I ran uh, track in high school and uh, graduated from high school back in the mid-60s and then didn't run another step until I was 31 years old. And that was purely to try to get in shape. I'd gotten overweight. and So I just started running. I was uh, working over at UAB, the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and went to their track and one day and just see if I could run a mile. And I ran a mile and I said, that felt pretty good. And see if I could run another mile. And I ran another mile and that felt pretty good. The next day I could hardly walk. So I still remember that, but it all started from that. And then just started doing these little noontime runs and just kind of grew from there. I got addicted to it and kept running and distances kept getting farther and farther and farther. Back in those days, they didn't have 5Ks. You had 10Ks and you had a two-mile fun run. That's what most races were. And so I started with those and gradually got to the half marathon and then the marathons and then the ultras. And uh, just kind of grew from there and just got kind of addicted. And uh, so I've been running for 30-something, 30 38 years now. My uh, my mother had passed away and I was just trying to do something just to keep my mind occupied. And that's where it started. She, she passed away and four days later I did my first run that I was just talking about on the UAB track. So. Wow. Kind, of a, kind of a legacy to her, I guess. Yeah, there's always there's always some sort of inspiration inspiration yeah. behind our runs. You know, I always look look at for me as I always think about my father who never never ran in his life. My my healthy reason trying to get healthy is probably trying to live longer than what what he lived. So yeah, well that's funny because uh, both my parents uh, passed away in their fifties, yeah. and. Uh, and here I am, sixty-nine. So yeah, some yeah. something's working. Yeah, something's working definitely. <laughs> um, you you have run a lot of races, correct? Uh, can you tell us about all the races you have run? Well, it, it, of course, I just keep track of the marathons and the ultra marathons. And uh, total, I've done one hundred and forty-six uh, of those, and uh, it's pretty much split down the middle of uh, even uh, as far as marathons and the ultra marathons go. What is your fastest marathon time like? Fastest marathon was 3.03, and that was down at um, Callaway Gardens in wow. uh, yeah, Georgia. Wow, that's that's pretty fast. Well, yeah, I look back on then and, you know, and say, who was that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess as you, as you picked up the ultra, maybe you slow down a little, or it's just the A's, maybe. Yeah, we could we could blame it on that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's what I that's what I usually blame my 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 slowness, but people don't believe me. But anyway, yeah. actually, um, actually, I ran my uh, first ultra back in 1981, and I did my marathon PR I think in '83 or '84. So. It was, 
It's okay. pretty well spread out around there. So mm -hmm. I'll try to kind of help you. you. You have done a multiple Boston Marathon as well, correct? I've done five five Bostons. You have a love for Boston because I, I hear you often talking about it. So I love Boston. I still I still love Boston. I, my my son and daughter in law and my two grandkids still live up there. So. We go up about every other month. As a matter of fact, we're going up this Friday, and whenever I go there, I run from his house to the finish line, which is three miles in the back again, make a six-mile run. That's kind of a pilgrimage for me that I have to do that every time we go. Definitely. I tell my kids that if they want to move anywhere, they're allowed to move to Boston. <laughs> so over the years, um, you have done many things for the running community. I know that you helped a lot of us. Uh, we still contribute to you for you know, guiding us and you know, helping us. Can you talk about a little bit more about um, the things that you have done in the running yeah. community here in Birmingham? Yeah, back, back in the late 70s when I started running, uh, the Birmingham Track Club was pretty much just getting started, uh, just getting off its feet. So, and they were pretty, pretty dedicated runners. You pretty much knew everybody that was running at the time. Everybody, the same people showed up at every race. When I started to get the marathon bug like i said i ran my first marathon in seven, 1979 and uh in 1984 the race director for the vulcan marathon uh asked me if i would help him coach a group and um so i kind of slipped into that and uh, the next year he he kind of moved out and i was left to hold in the bag so in 85 i started doing that and for the next 10 years i did the vulcan marathon uh training group and then uh the leukemia team in training came along and uh, asked me if I'd help train them, and I said it's only under the condition that I still am able to do the Vulcan um, Marathon group, which uh, eventually morphed into the uh, Mercedes Marathon. So I continued doing that until 2010, so that was about 15 years that I was doing the marathon training group, and at the time it was pretty much the only training group there was. Um, there wasn't many coaching opportunities uh, for people to go to, and even the internet was pretty, pretty uh, much in infancy, so that you wouldn't get much out of uh, out of that either. So, so pretty much, I would uh, type up something and then uh, go run off a hundred copies and hand them out on Sunday mornings and say, "This is what we're doing, and this is what you eat, and this is what you wear, and we're going for a run." And we tried to keep everybody together. And some days we had uh, you know seventy, a hundred people running in the training groups. Wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it got pretty popular, and we would, we would have it every every Sunday morning. We'd, uh, we'd, we'd go out, and we had the, uh, you know, they, they knew what routes they had to run. And I would uh, try to go back and forth and, of course, know my way around Birmingham, so I knew the shortcuts, and I'd try to catch up onto the people who were, you know, lagging kind of behind, and then show up to the front of the group again, and then wind up. I'd, I'd never run the same course, usually. <laughs> I'd be intertwining in between the whole group, trying to keep them together. So how how when did the Brownell tradition started? Um, it's, I've been running and Brownell. We've been running for a long time, I and mean, you've been running for for ages. They are correct. Yeah, we uh, when I started running, we actually used to meet. There was about ten or twelve of us that used to meet up at Sanford University, which is about uh, uh, as you know, about a mile up the road from where uh, Brownell the Brownell group is. And we used to meet up there and run every Sunday morning. We'd run 10 or 12. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and then when I started doing the marathon training group, we needed a little bigger area for people to park. And so um, Brownell just kind of was a good place to start because uh, it's at a place where you can go either right or left. And uh, 
have a have a good uh, good uh, course without too much traffic. You did Mercedes Marathon coaching or uh, training training for a very long time, if I remember that correctly. And you had a block side going, and you still have that going, correct? Yeah, it's it's kind of. I used to do it every week, and then it kind of when my running started to tail off, I started to think my own blogs were getting kind of tedious uh, for people to read. So I always wanted to be interesting. So it's kind of tailed off from a weekly to whenever I feel inspired. But yeah, running with Al has been been around for. Quite a while, and actually, running with Al started as just an email. It was a group email that I was sending to my team and training people. And uh, then, when I got a little bit more tech savvy, then it became a blog that they could actually go to rather than just getting an email. But uh, I still enjoy it. And then from that, I also wrote another blog called Training with Al that uh, actually I still do um, for the Mercedes Marathon. And it's a, it's about twenty blogs that I just kind of rehash each year and uh, redo and it starts uh, early in the training process and then each week has a different uh, has a different episode on again the various aspects of training for a marathon uh, I'll try to keep it motivational because that's uh, as you know you know much of it is in your head and just staying positive that's right it's always staying positive one of the thing um, I would like to ask you uh, you have called out on me and one of the your blog about uh, breaking all the rules of a training. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd like to ask you, what is really a marathon training like for people people who have never done a marathon or like to do marathons? What it's like, you know, as, as I go through the years, it becomes more and more individual, and I find out that, you know, sometimes you don't have to train as much as you used to say. Back in the old days, they used to say, oh, you, you had to run somewhere around 60 miles a week, uh, the old rule was you had to, uh, um, you know, uh, save yourself pretty much. Every Sunday you'd have to go out and run a, you know, 18, 20 mile run, and you couldn't run more than two marathons in a year. And you pretty much uh, hung on to those ideas. They were just the the old, you know, the old school ideas. And uh, once I got into team and training, that's what really changed my views 180 degrees. Because now you had people that were coming in and they. They barely ran a 5K, and they get this flyer in the mail that says, oh, you can do 26.2. And then, of course, I'm the coach who meets them in the parking lot, and they say, now teach me how to run this 26.2. And I asked them what their mileage base was, and they said they ran, you know, the the local turkey trot uh, a year ago. <laughs> now, now they want to do a marathon and raise some money for leukemia, so I'm not going to tell them no. And surprisingly, you know, the greater percentage of them could do it. And if you just take a smart you know, a smart uh, pathway to uh, the, and keep your eyes on that, you know, goal, what the goal is, and do it smart, um, you do well. I find out that in, in the training, uh, I used to find out that the women seemed to do better than the men because the women would usually listen to what you said and follow the training program pretty religiously, whereas the men would seem to always want to do more or do faster than you tell them to do. And now, of course, you see in these bigger marathons especially, sometimes you see more women than you see men, which yeah. Uh, yeah, is a big change from years ago. Yeah, that's what I was going to lead into the question, saying how how the marathons are, marathon running, running has changed over the years, time you started um, versus now. Well, back, back, back in the early days, I mean, you ran a marathon, you raced a marathon. There was no just uh, just trotting to finish. 
and there was no going out to a marathon and uh, you know saying to your buddy, "Oh, this is just going to be a training run for you know some some distance race that you had you know several months later." So you didn't run marathons for training runs. Anytime you entered a marathon, it was uh, you were racing to do your best. Now you, you may, you know, crash at twenty miles, but that was because you were pushing it as uh, hard as you could. And uh, you know, so much has changed since then. Uh, aid stations, for instance, you you never had. I mean, now these days, I mean, you can pretty much gain weight on some of these runs. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, what they have, but uh, I mean, we used to have uh, the first. Uh, uh, Vulcan run I ran, Vulcan marathon I ran, uh, which uh, was my first marathon. <clears throat> you know, you just had water on the on the course. And then the next one I ran was Magic City Marathon, which was also here in Birmingham. And uh, they introduced something uh, called ERG, which is uh, electrolyte replacements with glucose. And we thought this was like a godsend. I mean, it's a, uh, um, you know, you actually were getting something besides water into your system. And it was like, this is it. You know, I can run forever with this stuff. And from that, it uh, you know we, we got into Gatorade, and now you you know the, the big uh, the big fad now is Tailwind. Everybody who says they drink Tailwind can you know oh they can feel the you know the boost it gives them, and they can run without having to eat. So it just uh, the pendulum just swings on 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 something like that. But yeah, back then it was it was, it was pretty much a race, twenty six mile race, and see how well you could do. And if you didn't do as good as the one before, something was wrong. So nothing like uh, me going to Boston and just hanging out from twenty six point two miles party take, and take four thousand pictures. You know, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> every step of the way. I I didn't even feel the heartbreak hill. That's what I was telling somebody. It's like I didn't even know what it was. Yeah, right. Yeah, first time I ran Boston, it was the same thing. It was like you know, they got to the top and somebody said you just crossed heartbreak hill, and I was wondering what. That was it, you know. I mean, the runs we do, Montclair you know, yeah. Road is much higher than that. Over the years, um, also I have I have seen that uh, people uh, people using different shoes, um, and you have you 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 are early adopter of uh, Hoka and Birmingham that I know of. Um, uh, can you talk about a little bit about uh, shoes and how how things has changed and how Hoka has helped you as well? Yeah, well. Um, well, back when I started running, of course, Nike was the uh, big deal. I actually started out with a pair of shoes from uh, Sears, I believe, I bought them. But they were old Pumas, I remember them. They called them po- ponies, uh, Puma ponies. And uh, ran with them, and then uh, being a physical therapist, I treated a uh, uh, fellow named Versal Spalding. Versal Spalding had one of the first shoe shops in, uh, in Birmingham, the uh, running shoe shops, and it was actually a garage. And I treated his wife. And uh, he said, come by my shop, I'll give you a pair of shoes. And he gave me a pair of old uh, Nike Elites, that was the name of them. And I couldn't believe it. They felt, felt like a glove. Of course, they had nothing on. They were equivalent to what minimalist shoes are now. And I ran the tar out of those things. I, mean, I trained in them, raced in them, and you know, then got a rip-roaring case of plantar fasciitis because they ran so much in them. But uh, you know, shoes, uh, they, we used to send shoes. I mean, in runner's world, there were ads where you could send your shoes to get retreaded, we would send our shoes away for thirteen ninety five. You can get a new tread on the shoe, so you know it was. <laughs> you spent fifty dollars for a pair of shoes, and then you, you'd wear them for three years because you got them retreaded three times. But uh, then it uh, then they got more specialized. Uh, you know, more uh, companies got into uh, into running, and uh, you know, either truthfully or non truthfully, they came up with all these uh, uh, gimmicks that they had. I remember Nike came out with one that was called uh, 
uh, LD, LD1000. In the LD1000, it says, this shoe will prevent pronation. And it had a four inch, I mean, if you can picture this, from the heel, it spread out. And it was four inches across on the back on the heel uh, that hit the ground. And it was supposed to prevent you from, do, from pronating at all. Well, as we know, pronation is a, you know, is, a, is a part of running. You're supposed to pronate your foot as you come in. So that more caused natural. More, yeah, that caused more injuries than anything. But it was, it was kind of funny that they come out with that and promote it. But, um, yeah, the shoes just kind of developed. And um, the reason uh, I went to Hoka's eventually, I mean, I, I went back and forth with the shoes, and I was, I was never really a brand, you know, I had to stay with one brand. It was what never felt good. The reason I went to Hoka is because their idea back in, oh, I think it was 2010, 2009, 2010, when they first came out, they were a French company. They've since been bought out by Decker, which uh, uh, used to show, uh, sell boat shoes. But um, when they first came out, they came out with this uh, shoe that looked like, you know, and they still call them clown shoes, but they looked even worse back then. But the idea was that they had so much cushioning on the bottom is that, that, that they would you know, literally prevent some of the impact that you had. And at the time, I was going through some terrible ankle problems. And uh, they literally saved my running. So I just run in Hoka's now. My trail shoes are Hoka's and my road shoes are Hoka's. And uh, I probably wouldn't change because of, I'm almost afraid to, afraid to change. They have changed some, some now. The stack height is not as high as it used to be. I have started going back and forth uh, between I, I I started as A6 runner A6 2100 series some somewhere along that, and then uh, went to the Hoka and I like to try different shoes. Uh, Montreal is what I'm trying right now. They're fast and also Hoka uh, Speed Goat. I think some of those. So, and the Speed Goat is going to cut down on some of the you know the frills that the old Hokas have. Yeah. Uh, Hokas I, I recommend to people that uh, I, I say it's a good recovery shoe. Um, because it does have less impact. Um, but I would never recommend it to anybody as a daily shoe unless they were having problems such as I have. So, so in the clinic, I might recommend them to some, some folks. But uh, that, that really has to take a change. And just like you said, you know, you may want, want the ASICs. That'll, that'll help you. The, uh, some people, you know, like the, the, the you know, some, some faster Nike shoes. And it all depends. Just remember the lighter the shoe, the uh, less support it's going to have. If you have any biomechanical problems, then you have to address that first before you decide. And and if you're going to buy a shoe, you know, talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. And, you know, you know, you and I both support local, you know, the uh, local stores around here, especially Track Shack. They supported the running community so much. But you want to go to somebody who knows what they're talking about. At least the first time you're going to buy shoes, don't just don't just go on the internet because it's cheaper. Definitely, that's that's one of the biggest things I recommend people to do, and that's how, that's what I did at the very beginning when I started running. You got to know how how it, how it feels, and you don't know, you know. And the shoes are so important part. You can you can replace the shoes, you cannot replace your knees. I, I guess some somebody said that once. <laughs> and you could replace well, it, but yeah, that that's up my road. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when the shoes don't work, come see me. Yeah, yeah. So let's start our uh, sprint round. Uh, this is I call it just quick. Question answer. Um, tell us about GPS device that you use. GPS, uh, the one I'm using now, I love. Just absolutely love it. I, uh, I'm not big into a lot of frills, but I'm using the TomTom Runner watch. Um, <clears throat> they have two out. One's a runner, one's multi-sport. And uh, I had been using the Nike um, sports watch for quite a while. 
And finally that, uh, it, it just, I'm trying to think what went wrong with it. Something finally went wrong with it, and I couldn't couldn't have it fixed. So I got the TomTom, and TomTom I just love. It's just, you can, it has, it, 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 you can find them for under $100, the TomTom runner. I mean, I go outside, and it, it doesn't take 15 seconds to find the GPS. It, it, it's just the fastest watch I've ever seen as far as finding the GPS and extremely accurate. So I'm, I'm, I'm sold on that. Plus it has Bluetooth. I can Bluetooth, I can transfer it right to my phone without having to plug it into the computer at all, which is really quite an advantage. I have gone to um, Ambit, Ambit 3, <laughs> Suntos Ambit 3 for ultra, ultra distance race. I think mine lasted, uh, I, I ran that uh, for uh, Lake, Lake Mart 100. It lasted about 18, a little close to 19 hours. So wow. That, and it yeah, was that's, that's the advantage with those. Yeah. yeah, and I just basically didn't change anything, just basic settings, and just ran it through and see how long. I have never run that far. I mean, not run that far in that watch. Right. So it yeah. it worked. I like those. And after mm-hmm. at the end, it just switched to a clock, the watch, regular clock. After once it got to three percent of battery, so mm-hmm. oh, I so I wore it the whole time. It didn't die on me, but usually garments and they they just go black out on you. Yeah, yeah. That's what my Nike was doing. Yeah, I had had the Nike for so long it would it wouldn't last six hours, so it was kind of useless on an ultra, especially for me. Do you use any training plans, whatever you do nowadays, or you don't have anything? Not right now. I, I still the 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 cornerstone to training plan was always uh, specificity specificity of training. Um, if you're going to run a hilly a hilly race, you better train on a hilly course. Um, so that kind of thing. So now, as you know, I'm uh, almost exclusively into trail running. And uh, I'd love to go to uh, Oak Mountain or Red Mountain and try to stay on the on the hills because I know that most of the races are going to be hills, especially if you're in the Southeastern Trail Series. You're going to run hills. So you can't expect to just run flat and then show up at a race and wonder why you failed in a hilly race. That's my biggest tra- tra- training plan. I don't have a training plan. I'm pretty much, as I told you, during the week, I pretty much run the same thing. And then on Sundays... Um, it doesn't vary much from what I usually do on Saturdays and Sundays. I still like to do back-to-back. Usually one is on the road and one is on the trail, but as far as distances go, I have no set plan as to what I do. As I get closer to a race, there might be one. Um, a lot of the southeastern trail races are um, two-loop courses, and so you could run either the short, which is just one loop, or you can run two two loops for the long one. So for training plans, I'll usually try to run one loop at least on a on a training run just to get used to this, the exact same terrain. Any, any nutrition plans you are in? Uh, not particularly. I don't read any fried foods. Uh, um, I kind of got sucked into the low-fat um, fad that was going around now. Uh, you know, fats are pretty much uh, accepted. So I slowly introduced, uh, you know, good fats into my diet. But um, the only junk foods, I guess you could say, are, are, are things like... Uh, uh, you know, a uh, kind of chips like uh, uh, like pita chips, something like that. And uh, I mean, I could eat a whole bag full of that. Um, but uh, as far as uh, just potato chips or something like that, I'm not. I'm just not. I never eat cake. I never eat donuts. I'm just not attracted to it at all. It's no fight for me not to eat it. And uh, I love I love beer, uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, what runner? What runner doesn't? So. What what runner? Special ultra marathoners. I don't <laughs> love that one. What would you tell a couch potato who's listening to your your talk at this moment? Think that they want to go out and run for for thirty years, next thirty years. 
Well, you're gonna, you're gonna. Well, nobody goes out and thinks they're gonna run for thirty years. You kind of get addicted to it, the same as you get addicted to anything else. I mean, where you've got to do it. But if you want to run for the long run, don't you know? Don't get sucked into so many races where you're running every weekend. Of course, I'm talking to you, who's <laughs> off the off the edge sometimes, uh, the other way. But um, you know, you can you can't test your body week after week after week. It's going to wear down, um, same as any other machine would. But uh, just run for fun. Just have just have a good time while you're running. Feel good. Anything that feels like it's a a hurt or an ache, get it addressed right away. Don't don't let it go to where it becomes a chronic problem, because a chronic problem will stop you stop you pretty short. But uh, as far as you know, motivation. Uh, you can, everybody has their own motivation. Of what why they're out there. You ask ten people what they're why they're running, and you're going to get ten different answers. You know, I, I just I just love running. The same as. Uh, a cyclist would love his cycling, but uh, um, I just find nothing more pleasurable than to go out onto the trails these days and just run on the trails. It's just, uh, you know, just lovely experience to be involved with, uh, with with the woods and with nature and with the trails that way. Great, thank you. Thanks for your interview and thanks for your time. Sure, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Coach Al. Don't forget to like us on the Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 